we are going to go back to Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8 and 9. Um, I'll try and uh, summarize um, what God has uh, for us from these two chapters today. Hopefully the Word of God will speak to us individually and uh, help us to walk with God. There was a teacher um, in the class teaching philosophy to, to her students. So um, she wanted to teach uh, important lessons about life uh, to her students. So what she did was she brought in a glass um, and she started um, filling the glass with golf balls. And then she asked the students, um, is it full? And some of them said, yes, uh, it is full. And then the teacher started um, filling in the gaps between the balls with golf balls with uh, pebbles. And she asked the, asked the students again, is it full? And the students said, yes, it is full. And then again, she walked back and came into the class with a bag of sand and she started filling the glass with sand again. And then um, she again asked the students, is the glass full now? Everybody said, yeah, it is full. And then she took a cup of tea and poured it into the glass and then <laughs> everybody started laughing. So the moral of the story is, what does matter to us? There are many things in our lives, that, uh, they, we consider them as the most important, least important, and not important at all. But we always remember that there is always time for cup of tea. <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say is, we are nearly into the uh, half year of uh, half year of this uh, season. We are in summer and then tomorrow it will be four seasons in a day, so on and so forth. And this is the time most of our um, young ones uh, in the family are taking vacation or holidays, whatever. And then this is the time we go away uh, from our home to a different land to enjoy sun, water, food, culture, bit of chit chat, everything. Sometimes it is also important for all of us, doesn't matter whether we are male or female or children, we need to take time to sit back, relax, and just go back to uh, God in prayer and Word of God. And just let, let's sink into the Word of God and uh, let Holy Spirit speak to us. Let's rededicate our lives to God and see what God has for us uh, in our lives. So I would encourage all of you to take time, uh, spiritual holidays I would rather say, uh, let the Word of God speak to us individually and let's re rekindle our passion for God so we'll be able to work along with all the other church members around the globe. So we, we, most of us know uh, who 
Prophet um, Nehemiah is. I don't know how many of you have traveled to uh, Derry or London Derry, whatever we call it is. Uh, that uh, city is full of uh, walls, gates, you know, kind of ancient old city. And also many of us have been to Dublin Castle. Dublin Castle had, uh, you know, few gates and doors. Even the hospital that I work has a big gate and a big wall. So these are all uh, some of the things that we are going to see it in the book of um, Nehemiah. So, when you go back to the book of Ezra, Ezra was actually a priest. He built the fallen uh, city of Jerusalem, whereas Nehemiah is the guy who built the walls around the city of Jerusalem. Uh, many Bible scholars uh, uh, and archaeologists uh, are in agreement that the walls they discovered in and around uh, modern day of uh, Jerusalem were built, uh, was built by people uh, back in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And some of the Bible scholars uh, say that the width of the wall uh, can be between six and eight feet. And I heard from someone that uh, you can actually ride a motorbike on the top of the wall. Here, back to Ireland. Now, um, the Dublin that I see is like a concrete jungle. Don't get me wrong. The, the, the Dublin city that I know back in 2003 was completely different. I could see la, la, le, uh, not many buildings, now everywhere it's like a concrete jungle. We see a lot of construction work going on, we see a lot of people involved, money involved, materials involved, uh, fights involved, arguments, and then the, some of the politicians say that we should be doing that, all those things. But we all know that there is one man behind all these uh, new projects. So here, Nehemiah is the main guy who was a cupbearer for king. Cupbearer for king those days were someone like um, who tastes the food or wine before it was given to king because back then um, there were many ways to kill um, king or emperor if, if, if he's not liked by uh, his own people or enemies. So Nehemiah won the trust of the Babylonian king when, when he was a cupbearer. But he also had uh, a passion for his city that was ruined by the enemies, all because his own people have neglected the word of God and they went on their own way. So this is the uh, summary of uh, the book of Nehemiah. So we are going to go into chapter 8 and 9. So. Uh, so it's, it's all about building the wall of the city of Jerusalem. So in this, cha uh, in, in this chapter, I would like to draw your attention to a few of the key words. First is water gate. As I mentioned only a few minutes ago, all the walls have gates. I will come back to what water gate means. There are um, 13 gates um, in and around the old city of uh, Jerusalem. Each gate has uh, some significance to it. But the water gate, um, I'll come back to you uh, in a few minutes, uh, uh, has more significance than any other gates. And uh, other keywords are commandments of the Lord. It appears 13 times in this book. And the word read alone 19 times. And word teach, understand, and pray comes at least 13 times 
If you look at it, commandments and, and, and pray, they appear same as 13 times. That means both are equally important, like two eyes of, uh, of any human beings. And also, uh, Bible scholars um, say that it is one of the longest prayers in the Bible. And worship, merciful and gracious God. So these are some of the keywords you would find it if you have, uh, if you take spiritual holidays uh, to read from first chapter to the last chapter. And the next one, as we go along, is the, war, the significance of war again. So what actually hap uh, happened uh, in this chapter is when we look into Ezra chapter eight and nine, Ezra is actually calling all the people, and then he initiates a public reading. As Paul mentions in the uh, New Testament, public reading was one of the important things right from the time of um, uh, Old Testament, public reading of scriptures. Uh, back then, we, um, the people didn't have a laptop, PowerPoint, or any such uh, advanced um, technologies. But the practice was they would somebody would read it on a higher platform, and then it will be heard um, from, uh, heard heard by other people. And then there are also other people, like priests and Levites. They will help the people to understand what it has been said because. Um, the people, those who were brought back from uh, Babylonia, back into Jerusalem, they didn't know Hebrew language, so they all knew Aramaic. So these Levites and the priests were translating the Hebrew language into Aramaic language because originally the five books of um, the Old Testament were written in Hebrew. So let's come to the water gate. So people gathered here, and Ezra uh, is standing on a platform, higher platform. He is reading um, the five books of Old Testament. And if you go into uh, um, verses like 3, 8, and, uh, and, four, and 18, it will tell you how long they were reading uh, the book. Sometime, you know, um, either in class or church, sometimes, you know, uh, either we are tired or we are careless, or, you know, sometimes um, we leave off this place and our minds are somewhere else. I remember um, years ago when I was doing my um, equivalent to junior cert, um, after um, grinds and things like that, I was, I was doing um, night study between uh, 8 and half 11. So in and around half 10 or 11ish, uh, I was very tired. So my mother gave me a, a glass of um, glass of hot milk. I can't remember what it was. Uh, chocolate drinks uh, just to give me energy. So I drank it, a few bits of it, and then within no time, I dropped a glass. I didn't know that I dropped a glass until I heard the bang. The next room, my father was sitting, and then he gave me a slap. What are you doing instead of studying? <laughs> so that was the story. Sometimes, you know. We can't concentrate. That's hum the condition of the human uh, human heart. But what I see here in this chapter is really, really amazing, because uh, the Levites and Ezra they were all standing uh, nearly one fourth of the day, uh, uh, day after day uh, during the month of se during seventh month, and everybody was hearing. I don't know how these people were. See, that shows that these people uh, back then were really, really thirsty of. Uh, of listening to word of God because they all realized that what they were, uh, what life they were leading is not the right one according to the word of God. So 
As we all know that water signifies uh, different things in the Bible. Basically, water means um, it gives life, it gives uh, cleansing. As we all uh, uh, had experience of baptism, when we accept Christ, we are submerged into the water and we confess our sins and we accept Christ as a savior. So the same significance applies here as well in the water gate. So the water gate is nothing but there is a fountain, that fountain supplies the water for the city. That gate has to be protected. But some Bible scholars, um, after you know researching these uh, chapters, they say that the water gate was the only gate wasn't repaired. All other gates were repaired. What does it say? That means the water gate, the water gate was wasn't polluted. And also, if you if you look deeper into it, water signifies Holy Spirit. So it doesn't need water doesn't need to be cleansed or anything like that. Rather, it goes out and cleanses. So this is what happening here. And also, the, the other significance is Jewish, uh, Jewish people always believed that through one of the gates, the Jewish Messiah will come in. When Jerusalem was captured by, um, by his, uh, Islamic king, Sultan, or whoever was, so he, he actually sealed some of the gates because he knew that if the gate was open, Jewish Messiah would come in, but I don't think Jewish Messiah would come in like that. So he's going to come on the Mount of Olive. Everyone is going to see. So this is some of the significance of Watergate. That symbolizes that there is a hope when we accept Christ, when we acknowledge our wrongdoings and confess our sins. He is able to wash our sins and bring into uh, his own kingdom. And then when we go further into this, uh, into this chapter, When, when Ezra started reading, um, you notice something on the first uh, word that people gathered together as one man. It, it, it is surprising to me that um, there are different age group uh, age group in the in, in the in the group when Ezra was reading the Bible. So they all agreed that they should come with one accord. We, the familiar passage that uh, signifies with one accord is from Acts 2.1, having one mind and one purpose, harmony leading to action. So that's what's happening here. When Ezra started reading the word of God and the priest and the Levites started translating them to the people, they realized they realize how important the word of God, they all come to an agreement that they should listen to word of God. And the next thing is, who leads? We all know that Ezra um, was the man who led it. This is something like one of the movies where uh, the, the, hero, the hero of the movie disappears and then the second hero appears, you know, like something like Star Wars. So Ezra is like that. He's not like Star Wars hero, but he, he was a priest. But he appears in this, right in the middle of the book because Ezra and Nehemiah were uh, contemporary living um, in that age. So when, when you look at Ezra chapter 7, 10, it says that Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach, uh, teach to the children, uh, children of Israel. So basically Ezra is a trained priest. Nehemiah was a, a cupbearer, whereas Ezra uh, was, a, was a priest. So he has prepared himself. Actually, uh, you know, he prepared his heart 
first of all he himself prepared what how to receive the word of god and then he he started teaching to all the people that's what um, it says in esra so esra is the one who leads the people now we are coming to a comparison look because um, we are studying about word of god here so i just put a comparison here uh, between uh, nehemiah chapter 8 verses 3 to 8 and luke chapter 24 27 to 32 and 45. so what it says uh, i just try to compare what actually the word of god is doing here in both chapters so in nehemiah chapter 8 the word of God, actually the people, as I said it before, the Levites actually helped the people to understand the word of God. And the response, we would see it at the end of the ninth chapter, people started confessing their sins, and then uh, they started uh, crying, they started um, uh, celebrating festivals and things like that, followed by a worship. When you go into Luke chapter 24, uh, verses from 30, 27 to 32 and 45, it's about Jesus himself um, after his resurrection. Uh, you know, it's very interesting cha chapter to me. I like this chapter, Luke uh, chapter 24. I would encourage um, all of you uh, to go back and just read this chapter because the words that the Bible scholars put in English actually, you know, reveals so much. So Jesus himself, after resurrection, walked with um, uh, his disciples and they were in a dilemma of what to do uh, because they thought that Jesus was dead. But Jesus actually resurrected and came back. And then when you read these verses, it will tell that he started expounding, explaining the scriptures where the, um, the, 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 the disciples came to a sense that actually they are speaking, speaking to the Lord himself. So this is what Word of God does when we sit uh, on our spiritual holidays and time spent alone with God, Holy Spirit will reveal uh, the scripture, most importantly, the Lord himself. Next, when you go through these chapters, you know, this is very interesting again uh, in, in, in Nehemiah chapter 9. So I just put, um, put it in my own words. Uh, um, Basically, it's a summary of uh, summary from a summary of Genesis to Second Chronicles. It tells the nature of God when you read Nehemiah chapter nine, six to eight, and so on and so forth until the last word. So, the first part uh, uh, signifies Genesis, the verses between uh, six and eight of Nehemiah chapter nine. What it says is God is righteous and He is a preserver, as we sang a few minutes ago during worship. So God is righteous and he is a preserver. And then the next verse, it is beautiful when you read it. It, it. it talks about the summary of Exodus. God who sees his people, who hears when they were crying, he speaks to the people when they are in trouble. What it says is, God is the one who was leading the people and protecting. He is still leading our lives and protecting us uh, as, as well. And then the next word, is about Leviticus, God who teaches. We all know that Levites were priests. So basically the Levites, uh, the Leviticus is all about God teaching his own people. Next is Numbers, uh, verses 15 to 20. God is merciful and gracious to forgive. This is what we sang a few minutes ago. So our God is merciful and gracious to forgive. This is the one actually strikes me in this chapter because over and over again, uh, the, the, this chapter actually compares the 
condition of uh, Israelite people, despite being God has been faithful to him, he was righteous, he was leading, protecting, teaching, providing everything. They, their necks were stiff, they were walking away from the Lord. Uh, it is interesting for, for me to read it as well. I don't know how many of you had read a book called Hallowed Be Thy, Night, Hallowed Be Thy Name, written by uh, David Wilkerson. Uh, if you are interested, you can buy from any Christian bookshops or bo uh, book deposits. It's called Hallowed Be Thy Name by David Wilkerson. It's a beautiful book. talks about uh, names of God and how we can uh, practically apply it. It's a beautiful book. So, next one is Deuteronomy. God who sustains. Um, um, let's, let's all go to uh, Psalms 55.22. This is again a very, very popular and famous word, we all know it. Psalm 55 uh, verses 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Let's all say Amen. amen. Sustain. See, if you have New King James Version uh, Study Bible, it has um, some notes on the word called sustain, which is called cool. K O O L, cool in, in Hebrew. It's an English, uh, it, it's English, lit, um, English transliteration. So, what it says is God will supply all the necessary things for us. When you read this chapter, you, especially bet, uh, the verses between 21 and um, 3, it tells that the Israelite people were wandering around the uh, desert for 40 years. They didn't look for sketches shoes, they didn't look for any, uh, any comfortable clothes, but God sustained them. It is, it is really a miracle. Sometimes we wonder, you know, will God sustain me? Well, if you are faithful, if we are faithful to God's word, if we follow our commandments, God will definitely sustain, uh, sustain us. Judges, next one is Judges 24 to 29. God is a provider and deliverer. Yes, God is a provider and deliverer. Like, uh, like we sang in um, worship, um, Psalms 23, God is a provider and deliverer. I have mentioned that uh, to you uh, all few, I think few years ago. See, in, uh, again, when you, when you go back to Israel and try to see, uh, you know, ma match how the book was written, you will come to know about the significance of um, Psalms 23. Here, um, you know, the, the lamb or whatever uh, cattle we have, we just let them out because Ireland is full of uh, green grass. There's absolutely no problem. They go, uh, you know, enjoy themselves, they come back. Whereas uh, countries like Israel, the heat is actually killing everything. So the shepherd has to know what is the best time to bring the uh, sheep or lamb to a green pasture. So actually, they have to climb like a circle up on the mountain. Early morning, the mist coming from the uh, sea actually helps the 
tiny, tasty, nutritious gra grass to grow on the top of the mountain. So the shepherd in, um, in, in Jerusalem or Israel, they know what is the best time to bring the lamb all the way up to the mountain to feed them. So that tells us that our God is a provider. He knows what we need, uh, when we need. So he will, he will provide us in his own time. And the last one is all about chronic, uh, from 1 Samuel to 2 Chronicles. God is patient. Sorry, I didn't put, uh, let me, um, let's go back to Ezra again. Um, sorry, Nehemiah. <coughs> Okay, the verses are between us, uh, chapter 9 verses are between 30 to 37. So, Nehemiah chapter 9, 30 to 37. It talks about uh, a summary of, uh, summary between one, first Samuel and the second chronicle, Chronicles, which says God is patient. God is always patient uh, with us, doesn't matter who we are, how we are, he's always patient, he's always merciful. Is always ready to forgive our sins if we are honest with ourselves. Now, coming to the um, uh, nearly to the end of um, end of the sermon, why word of God? I just asked myself. I was just reflecting on few verses. I just put. I want to put it something simple so that uh, uh, we'll be able to remember. As we all know that God's word. Through his word, he created the whole whole thing in the world. Um, it didn't just create by itself. Um, many of you remember the st story of um, conversation between Thomas Alva Edison and a, and a scientist when they were traveling in a train in England. So they were tra uh, traveling in a train and then Thomas Alva Edison was reading a Bible. And here comes the, the there is a fellow uh, fellow man came and sat um, opposite to him, and he was just looking at Thomas Alva Edison. What are you doing? He said, "I'm reading Bible." Ah, oh, come on, man! You should be reading Bible. This is modern era. You should be reading the old book. Um, he started, you know, messing around with Thomas Alva Edison. So he didn't mind. So he started he continuously read the Bible, and then just before um, the journey ends. Um, this man, actually, the man who was just uh, you know, criticizing Thomas Alva Edison, uh, gave him his card. And then Thomas Alva Edison also gave his own um, business card. And then he looked at it. Oh, are you Thomas Alva Edison? Sir, can I come to your lab tomorrow? Yeah, you can come in. So the next day, this chap uh, went into the lab uh, where Thomas Alva Edison was inventing bulbs and other things. Uh, so this man walked in and then he was amazed by the way uh, the whole lab had all the experiments including the sun and other galaxies. And he asked Thomas Alva Edison, tell me something, how did you discover? And Thomas Alva Edison in his own way said, it all appeared by itself. And, and, and the man started saying, no, no, it can't be right. So he corrected his understanding that, look, God creates everything in his own time. Without creator, nothing will be created. So everything was created by our own creator. That's why John in his first book says that in the beginning there was a God. 
there was a word. So we, we, we see how the world was uh, created by his word from the book of Genesis as well. And then on the last book of Revelation, we, we know, uh, we read that it is, the, it is God's word that is going to judge the whole world. So what an amazing thing that word of God is uh, holding such an important place in Christian lives. Next is Acts 20.32. So in Acts chapter 20.32, the word of God uh, signifies um, our inheritance to heaven once we accept Christ. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1.17, Paul argues um, that his, his role is to preach the gospel, not to baptize uh, people. So people argue that, you know, we Baptists are greater than you, but we are not going to go into that, uh, you know, division of um, churches, rather. We will seek unto the word of God. So word of God says that, you know, Paul was sent to preach the gospel, not to baptize. That doesn't mean that uh, we have to ignore baptism. Once we accept the Christ, we have to take baptism because Jesus took the baptism. And uh, as we read it um, on the water gate, it signifies the cleansing and gives the entry ticket to the heaven. And the end of the world that we are all expecting is going to happen when the gospel is preached to all the, all the, uh, all the creatures uh, in the world. So end times and the beginning of new heaven and earth, it will come when everybody hears the good news of Jesus. That's in Mark 13, 10. And we all know that God has exalted his word above, above his name. Now, here, we, here we, 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 are, we are into reflection. Just take a moment um, and reflect what we had seen so far, what we had heard so far. We all know that Nehemiah was a man of action. Many times, you know, we, we struggle to keep up with our promises or our word. But fair play to Nehemiah, so he, he was a man of action. He was always on the floor. You know, some leaders, they sit and command. He is someone like a military general where he is with the people, he's on the field, he watches everything, he directs them, he helps them, he encourages them. He is a people's leader. So just, you know, we have different roles in the family. Some of our uh, students, some are, some are uh, wives, some are husbands, some are mothers, some are grandfather, grandmother. So the role goes on. We are all basically leaders. That's what some of the Bible scholars say, that we are all born as a leader. But how do we develop leadership skills? When we submit ourselves to God, like the way Nehemiah did, God's hand will be with us and he will teach us how to lead our own lives first and the lives of others. Next reflection point is, do you understand what you hear? This is very, very important. Like the way uh, we ask the little children, do you understand what I mean? This is a, a, a slang as well here. Do you know what I mean? So it's something like that. Do you understand what, what you hear? Jesus also said it uh, after every preaching. Um, those who have ears to hear, let him hear. What do we hear? That is very, very important. Sometimes, you know, you hear, we hear 
the things that are um, outside of our own world. You know, uh, we should be hearing wo uh, words when we when we study the Word of God. Something like um, noise cancellation um, headphones. When you have it, there will be you you are not disturbed. You are you are you are actually synced into the music. So we should be like that. We should turn off everything. We should be able to patiently listen to what the Holy Spirit says when we take our spiritual holidays. So we are on summer holidays. Now what we need to do is read. We have to reflect. And not only to reflect, like the way the people repented after listening to the word of God read by Ezra, Levites, and other priests. They repent. We would see them uh, crying, confessing their sins, and repenting. So we all need repentance. Once we accept Christ, we are saved. But through our course of life, sometimes we may often, sometimes knowingly or unknowingly, we tell lies. Uh, you know, things go, go on. We don't need to go away from the Lord because as we, uh, as, we, uh, as we saw it a few minutes ago, our Lord is very patient. Our Lord is also merciful, able to forgive us. So whatever shortcomings, whatever uh, we need to rectify during our uh, summer holidays, I mean spiritual holidays, let us reflect on what we read and let us try to understand what God says and then let's repent. And then let's renew our com uh, commitments um, with, with the Lord and let's rejoice with others after we renew our commitment. So many times, you know, some of the men, they go for a walk uh, on the beach or they go away from the home. Um, they read Bible or they read books in the park or something like that. But all we need to do is when we come back, we should share with our uh, family and friends. Then only they know what we have learned from the Lord. That sharing of uh, you know, our own reflection may speak to some, some other people to go back and take a, a spiritual holiday to read, reflect, and repent, and renew their own, com uh, own commitments. That's one of the ways we will always be in line with the Word of God. So I'll conclude with a few memory verses. I'm not going to ask anyone to memorize that one and, and, and repeat it. So let's all, this is all again familiar word of God. We can go home and take take own time to read it, meditate it because it's all about God's word, how it speaks. So Isaiah 55:11, we know that this is one of the Bible verses. I really like it. So shall my word be. Word me that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Maybe God spoke to you through word of God in your morning devotion, or through retreat, or through one of your family members, or from church members. Write it down in a piece of book, in a, in a, in a piece of paper. Don't throw them away. Um, many of you uh, are listening to Chuck Swindoll's uh, message on Spirit Radio every morning. One oh, one day I was listening to him. Um, so he was advising uh, the listeners that when you do Bible study, take a notebook, 
mark it down with pencil or whatever it is and then write it down if you feel that God is speaking to some of the verses. And then when you have time, go back and see what God has spoken because many times, um, you know, those type of uh, reflection actually helped me to, uh, help me to um, go on the right way that I was supposed to go. Years ago, when, uh, when we were in Rathfarnam, um, Calvary Chapel South, one of the days, Kevin was on his uh, sabbatical leave and uh, Karmak was preaching. Karmak preached on Psalm 71. So I felt that every word was speaking to me uh, on that day. I was over the moon, so I went back, wrote down all the verses on the back of my interview preparation for my new job. I, I read it, read it over and over again, and then as the word spoke to me, the new job was offered to me. I'm just encouraging you, this is only one story. Many stories, you would also share it. So basically, as, as Isaiah says, God's word will not return void. It will accomplish what God wants to accomplish. And the next thing uh, is a very familiar passage. Um, there is one uh, house and a public park um, not too far from um, Menuth Kildare side, I forgot the name of it. There is a cafe when you walk in, uh, it's, uh, you would see a Victorian paintings uh, on, on a big wall clock, and also this word is written where the cafe is there. So, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, this is true. Many times through this word, we were encouraged, we were fed, we were sustained, we were healed. And lastly, cast your burden on Lord, he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Amen. May I ask Brian to pray for us? Thank you, Brian.